0: so i'll just say that um well no i was uh, i was basically making my grin jar joke because mm-hmm. uh, um or gringer um because <laughs> i was all excited i was like okay i'm gonna look this up before we start <laughs> mm-hmm. and and this is the only time it's been mentioned here i thought it was like a deep cut right i'm like oh yeah, favreau exactly. Favro's going to give us a deep cut and like a Grinjar is just a creature that happens to be found on Sorgan and their bones mm-hmm. are used for bone broth, a type of soup. And yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the, that's the entire cool. entry in Wikipedia. Yeah. And I'm that's like, awesome. oh. and I, like I had that moment, like where every that... time
1: I look up something in Wikipedia, I hope there's a lot more. And when yeah. I do see that it's just like, cause I looked up Sorgan. I was like, where have we seen Sorgan before? Never. I pulled that from... <laughs> exactly. And I'm just like, <laughs> we made it up. And I'm just like, dang it yeah (laughs) the whole point of this podcast is for us to explain the things that they didn't make up that they pulled out of other places so when they just make something up which they are completely allowed to do
0: yeah totally totally
1: (laughs) also the fun of it is you just because we assume that they make up everything and then you go back like everything comes from a place when they actually just make it up for the episode i'm like mad yeah,
0: well, it's because we think it's going to be like the like, you know, deep cuts of some session that was never released by King Crimson. And you're like, I can't wait to hear this. This will be amazing. I love King Crimson. And then it's like, and then nah. it's just Stairway to
1: Heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, I already know everything there is to know about this. Um, I don't want to get too political, Andy. Yeah, but no, we're going to no. have a, we're having a guest on this episode. Uh, He just lost his Twitter Uh, President Trump would like to speak (laughs) to our podcast audience
0: John Barron
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah John Barron would like to say something oh man he loves episode 4 and stand up and stand by I don't know what that means (laughs) 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 yeah he heard that there's a village back there (laughs) and none of their ballots were counted yeah (laughs) Which Put is all the ATSTs were doing. They were just there to get the ballots. <laughs> <laughs> oh all, my God. That's all they wanted. But no, we had to make a whole big deal of it. They pull out so many things that are so deep in the TV show that I'm waiting for them to reference our own podcast.
0: Yes. I have a feeling there's a part of me that feels like our podcast will in fact get referenced. Well, in, you, you know, they made that joke in the season uh, the first season of the gallery about how this is uh-huh. like, these are the obscure characters. Right. And so we yeah. should kind of in, in our heads when we're looking for these things and we find out that they're first mentioned, you know, like there's a first mention or something like that. Um, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you, you know, of course it is because um, they're, they're making up the deep cuts about, Ugnots and Clutonians uh-huh. and people who make Spotchka like you know it.
1: Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, I remember when I first got Twitter. I used to tweet at. There was this one. It was called at Star Wars facts. Yeah, and I would try to find those little characters, and I remember being like, Ugnots are allergic to cilantro, and like send it in, <laughs> and like they would literally retweet it. They were like, Oh look, this is now canon. Ugnots are allergic to cilantro. <laughs>
0: We've known uh, we've known it was part of the extended universe for years, but now we know it's canon.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Despite being really good on a line, you don't find them in kitchens almost ever. You know, (laughs) it's just like Uh I just really got a big kick out of that. And I think it's funny. This is now what the TV show is doing.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. It's it really it really makes all those people who spent uh, way too much time on the Star Wars Data Bank website um, mm-hmm. happy, and and being one of those individuals, I'm happy.
1: Oh, dude, you know there's somebody that's super thrilled. They're like, I put that in in 1998 on Wikipedia, and now it's on a TV <laughs> show, and my life is complete. Like that's happened. Andy, is this the way? Mm. We are now in chapter four, The Sanctuary, which has been directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, famously Ron Howard's daughter. Yes. She's also famous on her own. I shouldn't say it like that, as if like if that's what she's most famous for. She was also like, in the Jurassic World movie and my favorite episode of Black Mirror. She stars in it, like all that stuff. Which I don't yeah, know so if you seen
0: established actress and talented director brings us uh, her yeah. first offering within the Mandalorian universe directing.
1: But also I will bring that up in the sense that her dad directed solo. I yes. don't think that we've had a father son or father daughter thing where they're both directed star Wars things yet. Not yet. So, so like I will bring it up for that, that there is a full circle of that. They've both been able to touch down to the star Wars universe and it's also cool to know that she can call her dad and ask for some directing advice, not because she's a child, but because her dad is an Oscar winner. Yes. You know, like if my dad was a master stand up comedian, I might run a couple bits past him too. You know, like, so it's cool to know that it's like she has that to help, like, some of the storytelling along, which is why I think we see great foreshadowing in this episode. I'll put that at the very top. Excellent. Almost. Yes. I spent the first because i have like a page and a half of notes for this the Mm -hmm. first page is all the foreshadowing that now does not need to be explained on the second half because they just foreshadow like the hell out of this it is really like densely made like i remember this one being kind of slow moving when i first watched it and it was very much at this point now taking notes while watching it very dense yes um Especially like I can't be this is dense for a scene that doesn't have words.
0: Well, so, rich, rich layers—that would be the the thing that layers. came up for me. That you know, there's there's a lot of different layers. Um, that first time through, it's an enjoyable, mm-hmm. but you can kind of each each level we get a little bit of, of that. And for sure, and, and I'm and I'm like every really shot of Baby Yoda in this
1: became a meme. So it's yeah, also like totally <laughs> this episode. It's worth his weight in memes alone. It is. So I'll start the story. We open on Sorgan, which we don't know the name of yet, but we're there. And there's people that are farming. They're harvesting krill. Krill is the blue fish that is main ingredient in spotchka, which uh, Spatka has become the butter beer of the Mandalorian universe. And uh, what I was going to say about Sorgan when I first saw this episode. Yes. I remember my my girlfriend walked in and was like, "What are you watching?" And I told her I was watching a documentary because it just looks like a documentary and she was like oh okay and then a droid is on the side of like one of the people harvesting as a droid yes and she was just like oh they got robots helping them now and i was like yeah that's what the documentary is about and Mm -hmm. then the atst showed up and she was like you're a dick so anyway
0: (laughs) it it, it, it it does have like
1: the lasers show up and everyone starts running and uh the Clatuines are start to raid the village, and yes. because she went to that point, she's like, "This is definitely not a documentary. There'd be a narrator <laughs> about this, one hundred percent by now." And you're like, "No, they're not."
0: But it yeah. does start like it does start like it is a documentary, or like we're getting like life in the agrarian, uh you know, in the agrarian. Yeah, it world looks a lot like hard, rice farm, right? Yeah, and and so we get a little bit of that. We also see a lot of folks with with dyed blue walls, so you get an idea that the Mm -hmm. krill is kind of a a, you know anchor to what they're doing. Um, But yeah, then the (laughs) the Clutonians, who are basically space orcs, show up and Mm -hmm. turn it into uh, sort of just a Viking
1: style rain. Well, it turns Uh, into
0: outtakes of Caravan of Courage, almost, right? (laughs) at that very (laughs) beginning.
1: It's true. It's funny that I didn't laugh at it at all, but it really does come on comedically, where it's like people minding their own business, having a peaceful <laughs> existence, and then just bro, like a bunch of money Python extras <laughs> running in and slaughtering the town, which seems like no reason. We learn more about it later. But for those keeping up with the score, Clitonians were first seen in Jabba's palace in uh, Return of the Jedi. I know I yes. said three of those words wrong, but that's the way I talk sometimes. But that's when you first saw them become canon. But ever since then, they've shown up a lot in the Star yes. Wars galaxy. And they're not that famous for as often as they show up. They've got to be the most shown up, not famous thing in Star Wars.
0: Yeah, they're they're like a, very much the back. They're in the, the back of scenes a lot. And, and this is yeah, really, we, we get to see that come out.
1: In video games, they're the ones that would just show up and you murder and slaughter and don't even think twice about it. It's very much that but they've actually given them a little bit of fear in this one, which is nice. So they show up, they raid the village, they start taking the krill, and uh, and then it cuts. I mean, like, you see the mom protecting her child yes. in the basket, and then we go to space, and now we're in the Razor Crest, and we see the Mandalorian. I'm going to mispronounce every character's name. Uh, <laughs> all the O's are A's, and all the A's are O's. And, uh, and we see with Baby Yoda, and it's the famous uh, radio switching scene where he's yes. just pushing buttons and like, hey, stop touching that. Don't do that. Like, it's famous just purely for how cute it is. There's not a whole lot of backstory to, to go along with that. And he says he wants to go to Sorgen because it's a place where they can hang low. And yeah. they're just trying to I mean, it's called the sanctuary. He's looking for sanctuary this entire episode. That is his goal for this part of his mission. And he does call Baby Yoda a womp rat. Really cute little nickname. Yes. Foreshadowing for later. Yes, and, it is. Uh, for those keeping score at home again, Womp Rats were first brought up in A New Hope. Luke, what does he say? He says blast them.
0: He yeah, definitely bullseye. blows them we, up for spirit. Yep. Yeah, Used to bullseye. bullseye with his T-16 in Beggar's Canyon.
1: Yep. Back in uh, Tatooine. Womp Rats. I mean, like, they're, they're one of my favorite things. We don't really ever see them in the movies, but they have shown up in video games. Yep. So I've slaughtered them there. And, uh, so when they land, he tells the baby to stay here. The baby doesn't listen. And the Mandalorian looks down at the baby and goes, "Ah, I guess you're coming with me, which goes to show that this guy that has a lot of backbone with everything else in the galaxy has no backbone with this baby. He's like, no, no, no. I am weak for baby is actually exactly what I wrote here. (laughs) And, uh, so they go to what is called the common house. Yes. And much like we had at the beginning of the episode, I looked at Wikipedia and I was like, what's a common house? And it takes me straight to the link to just the Sorgan common houses, this grill and cafe that the Mandalorian visits in this one episode. I guess that's the name of the place, the common house. But I get, yeah. So it's a cafe and grill.
0: Yeah. I don't know why the second link. Yeah, it has that pub, in, um, pub in kind of thing. If we think about, you know, from uh, yeah. so if we're gonna if we're gonna strike the tone of an ag- agrarian, um, an agrarian location, you know, somewhere that doesn't have a spaceport, um, it's a bit of that vibe that you would get in like a feudal, uh, feudal phase oh, yeah. or oh. lines, and it meets mm-hmm. that really, really well. So
1: it has a hotel feel. It doesn't feel like people are really staying. Yeah. Um, and the baby walks by a loath cat. which are in Rebels a lot.
0: Yes, they are.
1: But my question to you about this, Lothcat, is this the first live-action Lothcat
0: we've seen? It is the first live-action Lothcat we've seen. So Lothcat's a... Yeah, loth cats. I think they're. I think they're, um, I think they're a, a, a species called Tuca, or they're a variation of a species mm-hmm. called Tuca. But we we see them very commonly in in rebels in their home planet of. Hence, the loth the loth cat is Lothal, so they're they're cats from Lothal, and and really we also the cool thing about this appearance at live action is is the loth cats at like baby Yoda level. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so there's, you know, definitely uh, the perspective that we get shift as far as Baby Yoda at his level, the child's level, for sure. Um, and and the- it looks very uh, me- Miyazaki. Menacing.
1: Oh yeah, menacing. Like the Miyazaki, like neighbor kind oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of look. It's yes. Got like those big ears and furry and round. You're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be afraid of this or cuddle this, but I want to do both. And so they walk past it. It's menacing they walk past a character that's going to become a main character of this episode as if she's an extra and the waitress comes over to the Mandalorian and the baby and goes, Hey, like, and like just the one bonbon for the baby. What's up with that person? Right. Like immediately he was yeah. like, and she was like, Oh, she's been here. I don't know. Like, and he like bribes her, like about a week and then she disappeared. And then, so like he like tosses her more money and go, Hey, babysit my kid, which babysitting's a whole thing that he yes. deals with in every episode. It's the only time I've seen him pay for a babysitter. Well, let that be a fact, dear listener. <laughs> and he goes outside and he finds he finds the lady and they just start fist fighting. There's not a lot of, hey, what are you doing here? Or even a know-how of, why are you asking? Neither one of them's asking anyone questions. They're already fighting. And uh, I think this is a good time to say it. the actress is Gina Carano, I believe her yep. last name is pronounced. And she's a former UFC fighter. That part is obvious. Anyone yes. that looks at her goes, hey, she's built like a fighter. And so, of course, she opens up with a great fight scene to let you know that she is going to be a bad B, as they call it. And let you know her level of badass. She can fist fight a Mandalorian in the Star Wars galaxy. That's about as awesome as you can get. Toe to toe. Toe to toe with a Mandalorian. Doing just fine Vesco armor or whatnot And that's when we see I would say the most famous of the Baby Yoda memes With uh, the baby drinking the bone broth Like it's tea Just the mind in my own business There we go Andy's doing the same thing right now With his cup Yep. And uh, when they get to that point Where they both look at the baby And they're like mid fighting He just goes hey let, let me buy you a bone broth And now we're cut to them talking In the common house and it's kind of like what are you doing here i'm on early retirement yeah so you know like oh, okay so it starts to unfold that she's kind of on a sanctuary too we're not really too sure she's not really willing to give too many facts she's willing to state what she's doing there like emotionally but yes. she's not like saying like this is what i retired from specifically and it's like only kind of really shown through her uniform that she's a, sh- a soldier yes that's so she's like fought some good fights and she's trying to just live a normal, boring life, sanctuaryed here.
0: Um, well, it's it's notable though, right? Just um, so so one, she's she's got uh, she's got a tattoo on her arm uh-huh. that uh, that is sort of one of these things where we don't at this point as viewers we don't really know what that means, but there's something to it. And then it looks like she has uh, either a beauty mark or something. Yeah, I was going to mention that right now too. Eye. Yeah,
1: there, it, it's. He, once I saw promo pictures, I was able to see it clearly. It's the rebellion yes. logo is right there, teardrop style on her eye, which yep. actually gets noted in season two. I'm yep. not gonna say anything, but they very specifically talk about that and what that means. So there so is a meaning behind it.
0: We have this sort of uh, you know, so the, the the interesting thing, right, is is they both they both thought the other was there to get them, kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think exactly. that was was really kind of in an interesting aspect. Um, there's a little uh, in the idea that they, they fight and then they become friends, like that, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of an, an old adage, or, or they're starting to quote unquote to sort of uh, show this mutual respect. But what we, what we don't find out in the episode, which I think is really interesting, just as, a, as sort of a, an unfollowed thread, is all we really know is she's an ex rebel. Uh, that that we get a little bit more information that she's a shock trooper or um, she mentions something about being involved in drops, like that there's particular missions. And and then she says that she got bored with what was going on from like kind of a peacekeeping stance, but we don't understand or know why she thought someone was after her other than she wants to lay low. So uh, I just thought I would exactly mention that. Exactly
1: that. And he's doing the same, which is interesting because he does say at the end of the conversation, looks like this planet's taken. And you're like, can, yeah. can you guys just both not agree that Sanctuary can be done together? on the? It's a whole planet. yeah. If the little prince had another prince on the planet and they both agreed to just not talk to each other, they should be fine. Yeah. But for some reason, it doesn't say why, as the opposite ends of magnets this planet's taken. Only one of us can lay here at one time. Um, and then that's when we see the Mandalorian... Kind of moving around stuff in the Razor Crest, and the villagers come up to him and they're like, "Hey, can you help us? We have an ATST problem." Yes, actually, it was they said that an imperial problem. We don't really they no. They I say they we mentioned. have a
0: problem with raiders. They raiders. Uh, so they don't they okay. don't name the Clutonians by their species necessarily, uh-huh. but they're just like, "Hey, we had this problem with raiders," um, and so in you know in essence, they're like, "Hey, we don't get a lot of visitors here." Yeah, but we do get a shot prior to showing up at the end of. Of the krill farmers seeing the razor crest going overhead and so mm-hmm. um from a timeline perspective we know that it took them they mentioned this uh yeah it took them, it took them all days day. to get to them and then yeah. in essence they're saying you know hey we they, the interesting thing is as far out as they are much like quill in the um in the earlier episodes they're talking about the stories of mandalore so mm-hmm. you know we know yeah no you they know, they're what very much read, aware of
1: of uh, what a Mandalorian can do and they want one to help out with their raider problem. Uh, For some reason, when they spotted the ship, they knew a Mandalorian must be involved with it. And they brought all of the town's money. They offered it to him. It's not enough. But but it was when they mentioned that it took him days to walk there that he realized how far away from civilization that was. And that meant more to him than money.
0: Because he's looking
1: for sanctuary, like I said in the beginning. And so he was like, oh, you know what? Um, Let me go there. I want the sanctuary, but also give me your money. He says a very like, <laughs> almost like he's a thug. Yeah. yeah. But then it cuts to him with Cara, Dune, tosses her the money and goes, hey, let's go here with sanctuary. So he's now hired her as a gun to help with this X Raiders mission to get rid of these Raiders for this villagers, which introduces us to a very familiar storyline.
0: Yes, in very familiar. Westerns.
1: Uh, Magnificent 7 is the big one where it really comes from I think originally or isn't there a Japanese one also I was going to
0: say so Magnificent 7 is in essence a western telling of seven samurai, samurai. seven samurai exactly. is the Kurosawa movie from uh, I don't know when in the 50s but early 50s and then the the interesting thing here is that you know we've we just left the story arc that that mm-hmm. sets uh, sets our world universe to us like what corner of mm-hmm. Star Wars we're on and the interesting thing is that this is this episode we start to see it forming an arc that we've we've sort of seen in clone wars in the animated series yeah uh, there's there's an episode that has a a tone we don't you know like at this point we don't know if it's you know that's that's the thing or not but uh so it's interesting to me that our first sort of standalone, um, our first standalone episode is very Kurosawa esque, and then mm-hmm. also it's it's again melding this spaghetti western, space opera, uh, samurai tale all sort of together.
1: Yeah, or as I like to say, it's the three amigos, <laughs>
0: <laughs> three amigos in space.
1: Yeah, it's the three amigos in space. Which, if you were to pitch me that movie, I would greenlight that immediately. Even if you wanted to bring Chevy Chase back, as long as I don't have to meet him. And so, uh, so that we see the village giving them sanctuary, it shows them showing him the room. Go, hey, this is where you're gonna be. Look at there's your baby. Uh, I noticed you haven't been eating, so here's food, and I'll leave it here because she's aware that Mandalorians don't take off their helmets. And yes. so she was like, hey, I'll be leaving, and most food will be here so you can eat. And he's like, oh, thank you. I, uh, he has something that he specifically says that acknowledges that she's respecting the creed yeah and then there's a baby that wants to be like can i play with your baby and that's the part of the whole series that pisses me off the most (laughs) because he's a 50 year old baby the 50 year old baby at some point should be like let's not hang out with three-year-olds you know like just because i'm small doesn't mean i want to hang out with infants that want to dress me up like a girl maybe or whatever i don't mean that in a way that maybe he doesn't want to be dressed up like a girl it's his choice his lifestyle but what i'm really saying is that (laughs) he should have some by 50 you grow boundaries and the baby seems to be boundaryless like an infant and for some reason you're like you can't be this smart and also not develop some kind of emotional boundaries
0: so are you saying that you don't like the boss baby overtones that we're getting in this moment? In chapter I don't four? like the
1: boss baby overtones at <laughs> all. No, I hate that where it's just like, Oh, I'm going to be super infinite unless I really need to. And then you're like, no, 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 no. You can, you're choosing, you're yeah. choosing to be an infant. Um, so anyways, that bothers me more than it should, but that's just the moment where he's like, yeah, you know what? Go play with my baby. I don't care. Right. And so they go play with the baby. And then from there, he uh, then talks to the lady. It's kind of almost like the lady in Three Amigos that's falling for Chevy Chase. It's yes. like, hey, you're very, you're very handsome and from Hollywood. And he's like, get out of here. You're not my Creed. No one sees me without my helmet. And he sends her on her way, takes the helmet off to eat. We don't see his face. We just see that he takes the helmet off. But it shows that the Creed is very deep. Planets that have never met Mandalorians are aware that they don't take their masks off. And it's very intriguing. Uh let's see. Da-da-doo. Helmet history. Oh, he does mention that he was orphaned. He's a foundling. He mentions yes. that his parents were more yep. murdered. Uh we saw a little foreshadowing of that. We were never quite told that they were murdered. This is the first real acknowledgement that his parents are dead like Batman's parents.
0: Yeah, and this is the first chance we're we're getting it from from the Mandalorian himself. Yeah, so. exactly.
1: So we're we learned that from that conversation. He goes off after that with Kara Dune. They discover the tracks of an ATST, which I've talked about a lot in this episode. That's actually the first uh, evidence of that. Yeah. There's been like the noises and the lasers and whatnot, but this is like, oh, look, there's definitely an ATST here. This is definitely Imperial. And so they go back to the villagers and they're like, hey, we can't fight an ATST on our own, so we're out of here. Yeah. And the village is like, what? But what are we going to do? And then they're like, have you seen the movie Amigos, 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 where the whole town <laughs> gathers and tricks them? <laughs> they don't say it just like that, but it's I'm paraphrasing. And they're like, we have seen Amigos, 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 because we have Saturday morning cartoons. And after that, they show a movie that no one wants to watch. And quite often, it's three Amigos. And so they go into training. And he goes, all right, who here can use a blaster? And the lady is like, I can use one dusty. And so he has her... <laughs> It, it is so quite
0: good. The Omira character is that's her yeah. name. Thanks to uh, a, a nod to watching with uh, subtitles on. So Omira is not only is she, does she identify herself as someone who thinks that they can shoot. She's really good. Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, everyone's really taking their time and kind of missing the mark like you would when a first time shooter. Yep. It looks like she must be the person who hunts for the village, honestly, yeah. where she's just like, oh, boom, 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 boom and just on target hitting the frying pan from a distance just on it with a big gun she's able to take the what's it called when it, is it when a gun repels back at you
0: um the kick yeah uh, she's able she think is uh, totally
1: she's used to the coil she's used to it and, well, and got a strong steady arm go ahead
0: totally well and in, in uh, there's a there's a little detail that i mean so clearly she knows something about, or she's, she's very observant, right? We, we've, mm-hmm. we know that from her sort of very direct comments to Mandalorian. Um, and then in there's a little thing where she doesn't say anything, but the other individuals who say they won't leave, they're talking about how long they've been on these sort of, of krill fields and they've been seated mm-hmm. by their ancestors and everything else. She's curiously absent in saying... Mm-hmm. And so, and then we see now her skills that give us a little Mm -hmm. bit of a a thought of like, oh, hey, like, what's there's more to this this Omira character uh, than we're really getting, as far as oh, for
1: sure. And there is a lot of utility to her in many different directions, totally. And so, the town's now training for this big battle, and it goes tonight, and we see the Cara Dune and the Mandalorian sneak in to the Clitonian's village. Yes, They go to this tent where there's a lot of blue spotchka. It looks like they're making some illegal spotchka. Yeah, it's I don't a spotchka
0: distillery, it. right? Like they're like, yeah. we find out that the real problem here is these space orcs it's are these bootleggers. Breweries. Yeah, yeah these they're micro bootleggers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know if it's just for themselves or if they're selling it, but they have a bunch of it. And we know that they steal the krill. So this is all stolen stuff yes. to make this. Which means they can undercut the sales of these things by a lot. Totally. If your overhead is zero, you can outsell the people who are actually out there harvesting. Yes. So it's like almost like you're watching them not just pluck from the top of the village, but also the foundation of the village. There's no way this village can survive if these people are just going to ransack them on both ends through their krill. Yes. And so they go in to blow up their distillery. And of course, a fight ensues, but they're able to blow it up, and they run straight to the village. We see the ATST uh, boot up. Yep. You know, all, we see these red eyes. We see it get in. We see it start to chase them, and along with the villagers, straight in to the farming village, just like we saw in Amigos, Amigos, Amigos. They're all dressed like Chevy Chase and Marsh or no, they're actually they're sitting they ready for battle, and they battle it out. And it seems like the ATST really is too much for these villagers but cara dune is she's a soldier she knows what she's doing so she gets a better leveraged angle at it and the mandalorian is their lookout and so the two of them are skilled enough to take on the atst and they've now trained the village enough to take out the i keep of being afraid to say their name the clutonians
0: clutonians
1: clutonians and
0: Either, either was either is accepted
1: yeah, I mean, as a guy that's mispronounced Mandalorian in my own Mandalorian podcast many times in this episode, I can do whatever I want there. And and so they take out that side and that brings peace to the village, right? Let's see where I'm at in my notes. Uh, we've seen the ATSTs before. Of course, in Return of the Jedi, we've yes. seen the, the Ewoks take them out. So it seems like a village of people have the power of two Ewoks. I'm uh, doing my Star Wars math.
0: Go ahead, Andy. No, 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 and that's what. So, so the the interesting thing for me is, so, so there's a there's a brief appearance, although I think it was added um, post production of the. ETSDS are also referred to as chicken walkers. Yeah. So there's some chicken walkers that were added into the Battle of Hoth, um, and I, I think that's after the fact. I don't think that was in the original release, but that was in the re-release. Yeah.
1: I've heard um, many fans call them chicken walkers. I'm not sure if I've ever heard Star Wars call them.
0: No, walkers. I don't think they've called them chicken walkers. But I, I think I've. I yeah. think this is something that we you pick up when you hear people that are in special effects and ILM. They I think oh for they sure. Call, they call yeah, they do it that. for
1: sure. I've heard the behind yeah. the scenes people call it that many many times.
0: But the thing for me that was a juxtaposition in this was Cara Dune was like legit scared of this thing. And I'm like, Hey, uh, all you need is a bunch of logs and an incline. All right. Like this is something I was
1: waiting for that, for them to cut some logs and then try to run over them or through them or some way around it. So the ATS, you have to walk over it and maybe even like step through it as if they found a way to not have the Ewok problem again. Yes. But they decided to take it head on and they did a good job carried and took the pulse rifle shot it through the eye yes well which and, was a I'm sorry, and I ask. just
0: didn't give I just didn't give the Ewoks enough credit I guess that's what uh, I was gonna I mean that's where I was headed with that I was like oh you know I I saw the oh. Ewoks take care of it and then didn't kind of realize that and I think they do there's enough tension uh there's enough sort of that you know like hold your positions kind of mm-hmm. uh sort of vibe of like people kind of like the they're half freaking out and they have, the Clutonians have kind of um, taken the ATST and, and painted it. And they've got, you know, this, these sort of ominous red eyes in the two viewports. And so it is kind of an interesting way to, to do that. And, you know, we see sort of the, the combination of Cara and, and Mando being able to kind of handle that. And I thought that was um, really kind of, uh, they, they did well in creating the tension around it.
1: Yeah, they did great. You really felt threatened by it. And it was much bigger and badder than we could deal with. I believe Bryce Dallas uh, Howard's whole thesis of this was to give more credit to the Ewoks where the Ewoks
0: deserve totally. it. That's- she <laughs> wants
1: them to know that the Ewoks, although cuddly, are very strategic creatures.
0: Murder bears.
1: Murder bears. <laughs> Just little murder pups. <laughs>
0: Uh, And so the
1: villagers take this out and then we just do a soft fade out and fade back in on Wikipedia. It says many weeks later Yes. um, on the episode, it appears like it's six hours later. So some time has passed. We have no idea. We get a very soft, lovely princess bride version of the theme song playing, which I appreciate. They play both the, the intro theme and the exit theme at the same time, which we don't get too often with them combining. Um, and that's when we see Baby Yoda eat the frog. yeah. It's now become a part of his action figures. And there's a little foreshadowing in the beginning where the kids are chasing a frog and they can't catch it. And Baby Yoda catches it straight up and eats it. And the kids are like,
0: gross. And he spits it out, right? So we get a little, kids we get a little learning. Yeah. yeah, we get a little learning moment too. Um, be- Before we move past it too far, the there's there's an exchange with Cara Dune and, uh, and Mando. And I think oh, they think they do... Like- they do sort of, you know, Mando sort of is like, hey, we made a lot of noise. Like there's this is likely going to draw attention. Yeah, and I think they I think he says something like a while back. So that I think is where the the Wikipedia mm. is inferring the time the time passing. Yeah,
1: because um, she's like, why don't you marry this girl here in the village? Yeah. And he's like, no, we've made too much noise. So I have to go. Yeah, but I want to and- leave the kid here because I think the kid can live a decent life here with these people.
0: And then, and then that lady the helmet offers- though the helmet stuff comes up again, which is what happens. So we this is this is our mm-hmm. first time that we get an idea of what's the penalty of taking the helmet off. Yeah, uh, and and this is one of those things that I sort of absorbed the, the first two times and didn't notice. Um, didn't notice it as a detail, but, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, if you take that off, like, what do they do? Do they like hunt you down and kill you? And he has a, a really nice response, which is if you take it off, you can never put it back on. I thought that was a really nice sort of short, uh, mm-hmm. to the point, sort of little bit there. And, and really it drives home that, that it brings us to, this is the way, right? Like, yeah. like, Oh, of course. Like, if I do that, then I can't, uh, Yeah, I'm retired. But it plays into this whole uh, Western, almost like a Kung Fu, right? Where, mm-hmm. uh, where Kane, is, uh, um, Kane is, you know, wandering and sort of we see that kind of there's a chance that he could take off the helmet and just be a wanderer and wander yeah. around. So
1: Exactly. And so that's actually they cut from that conversation to the frog to now the Mandalorian talking to America. And O'Mara being like, you know, you could live here forever if you wanted. I invite you to live. And she's almost like, you know, you could just marry me. She doesn't say that directly. But it's definitely like we could have this family. And she tries to take off his helmet. And then he's like, no, you're not going to take my helmet off. I'm not taking my helmet off in this city. He's not going to hang up his belt. So it's like, no, no, not retiring. But can you take care of my child? And she's like, I'll take care of it like it's my own. And that's when we see that there is a tracking beacon. And there is a bounty hunter. And right there in the crosshairs, it's trying, it's about to shoot the baby. Uh, Foreshadowed the womp rat moment. Yes. Like I used to blow up the womp rat. Now he's being hunted like this womp rat. And we hear the shot go off. Everyone turns around. You have a moment where you think the baby's dead. Cara Dune standing behind the bounty hunter who's now fallen. And that's when it hits the Mandalorian that, oh, I'm going to endanger them if any evidence of me is here.
0: Totally. And so he's
1: got to take it's the kid all safe. That's right. Takes the kid, packs up his stuff and then he leaves Dodge, which I don't know what movie leaving Dodge is referenced. Um, but that's, that's the, he goes, amigos, amigos. amigos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's a uh, farewell amigos. <laughs> and then it's, he's just little Nettie goes to camp now, I think is what that, the next movie he has <laughs>
0: Well, we the so so when we we get a little bit of the the establishing shots that they've been found by another hunter um mm-hmm. back shot. and originally when i saw that back shot, i thought it was somebody from zuckus's uh species so this mm-hmm. was one of the bounty hunters shown in empire strikes back when they show b- when they show the bounty yeah. hunters on the bridge um of the star destroyer and you know when they have bosk and ig88 and boba no disintegrations all that stuff so zuckus is one of those guys he's a gand i think is his species and so the 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 uh, t- the sh- silhouette from the back makes him look a bit like zuckus but if we um it's a little bit difficult to see but it's another long snout uh another uh another Kabaz, uh the Kabazian uh ferryman that we saw in chapter uh chapter one Mm -hmm. and the spy um the spy from new hope um it's that kabaz species with the the sort of uh snout and uh and and so like i thought that was another one of these bits where we're getting you know like the deep the sort of the deep cuts of the action figures, you know, right? Like, uh, as, as Filoni calls them, apparently uh, peg warmers, right? These are guys that, that <laughs> we're, we're not <laughs> yeah. we're warming up the pegboard on, uh, for your uh, action figure display, but they're not your prized possessions. Um, sure. and, and so I thought that was kind of a, a little bit of a, a nod there, but, um, all to all in all, I thought it was, uh, it was a good episode. Um,
1: it's a good episode. It's a sweet episode. It's the first standalone episode we really kind of have. Yep. Um, But also, because I so intensely love this series, it now falls into the bottom part of the series, because yep. the standalones just don't... I don't have the love for them, Yeah, as I would. So I, I want to almost give this a 3 out of 10 Amigos.
0: Oh, wow. That low. But,
1: well, I just wanted to do... Because the word 3... Oh. But I would say honestly, it's like a six. I would say it's like a six out of ten. Little netty grab your guns.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that it was uh, Clutonian seven, um, mm-hmm. uh, just just because of the Magnificent Seven. Uh, and then you know, I I do I do think that one, it was very layered and it was very enjoyable. But the but the situation is is that you just come off that three chapter arc um of you know the introduction to the mandalorian we see the child the sin there there is there is weight to this episode as a result of what happened in chapter three right so we are he's still being chased we know that he's not just going to kind of like go off on and on merry adventures and just go wherever he wants so it, it keeps us moving but it is not at all um it doesn't hold up to what I got out of those first three episodes. Still great. I still love it. Uh, It's still great. And when it
1: was the first of the four, it was like, this is the first I'm not truly in love with. We're still very much in our honeymoon phase with the the child. Yeah. And like, you'll notice that I rate things that aren't, if you don't touch down on the huge story arc of the whole series, little Aaron gets mad, you know? Like, Little Aaron's like, I don't need these filler episodes. (laughs) And this is a filler episode. Quite frankly, if somebody, if this didn't load on their Disney Plus and they had to keep watching the rest of the series without it, they'd miss nothing. Yes. Uh, with the exception of the introduction of Kara Dune, who becomes a very main character uh, later. But also, you don't really miss much of any of that.
0: So there's great elaboration in this, mm-hmm. but, it, but it is not something that is from, yeah. from our listener perspective. So I to mean, no fault of yeah.
1: like anything that was done within the episode. Just because it yeah. touches down so little on the whole bigger story arc. I'm like, okay, that's an episode that happened. Um, Andy, is this the way?
0: According to the Krill Almanac, it is. Okay. That's getting better, I guess.